Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is today's message. God finds pleasure in putting his favor and his promotion on someone's life, surprising their friends and spiting their enemies, showing God can do more in five minutes than you could do working hard 50 years. You know what? The Bible says in the last day, God will be looking for people who will allow him to put his favor on their life. How many agree God can do more in five minutes than you can working hard 50 years? Come on. You know what the Bible says? The doors God opens, no man can shut if you let God open your doors. The Bible says God raises one up. God brings another down. Promotion is from the Lord. The Bible says men make their plans, but God determines the outcome. So how many of you think it's obvious that God wants to be involved and that when God gets involved and puts his favor, if God's favor makes a surprise visit to your house, how many know everything changes from that day forward? So what I'm going to speak on today is how to motivate God to put his favor on your life. How to move God so he'll move the world for you. Ladies and gentlemen, the title of my message today is How to Live a Life God Can't Resist Promoting. How to Live a Life God Can't Resist resist Promoting. And this morning, I want to tell you one act of faith. One act of faith can bring God's favor into your family and on your finances. And from that day forward, everything changes and God gives you an open heaven. And today I want to tell you, I grew up in church. And I remember preachers always saying, there's one thing God can't resist. is a sinner repenting of their sins. And amen. How many think of the biggest drug addict in Ohio turns to God and repents. How many know it's true? God can't resist. He'll run to them. How many of you know that's true? But you know what I've learned? There's one more person God can't resist. And I want everybody to look me in the eye. I want you to hear this. God can't resist someone who's facing incredible odds, a scary circumstance, people telling them they're not going to make it, it doesn't look good, some huge problem, some discouragement. And everything in them says run for the hills, give up, complain. But they stand their ground. And in the middle of all of it, they make an announcement. My God's faithful. My God's able. My God's bigger. My God will make a way where there is no way. And instead of bowing at their mountain, they speak to the mountain and they announce, my God's faithful. My God's bigger. My, and they announce in their home. They announce in the face of a problem. They don't back down. They don't back up. How many of you know God can't resist that kind of person? I said, God can't resist that kind of person. And this morning, I'm going to speak on how to live a life God can't resist promoting. That in the year 2014, how many of you want to open a new season of God's favor and God's promotion on your life? Come on, how many of you know faith is to believe not for what you've already seen, Faith is to believe for what you've never seen. 
So how many think you might as well believe in 2014 you're going to see what you've never seen from God? Come on. And ladies and gentlemen, I'll give you an example. Is Moses led the people out of Egypt, and they came to the Red Sea, and it was an ugly, scary circumstance. There was no way. Two million Israelites, and here comes the Egyptians with swords and spears, and, gonna, and all the people started complaining. All the people started saying, we're going to be killed. We're gonna be. You know what Moses did? The Bible says Moses climbed up on a rock, and he made an announcement. He said, the Egyptians you see today, you'll never see them again. And the Bible says God couldn't resist that, and he parted the Red Sea. How many of you believe the same thing will work in your home, speaking of things that aren't? How many of you think God's bigger than any circumstance you'll ever face? Come on. How many know God's bigger than any mistake you've ever made? Come on. Sarah was over 90 years old. And she said, God's going to give me a baby, he promised. And all her friends laughed at her. But when her friends would laugh at her, you know what she'd answer? But God's faithful, he promised. And when she was over 90, when she had that baby, the Bible says that one baby became more in number than all the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore because she judged God faithful who had promised. How many know God's faithful? How many of you know God's able? How many know God's bigger? And how many know it's time to start making announcements over your family, your future, your situation, your house, that my God will make a way where there is no way? And this morning, one act of faith, one act of faith. God can't resist that kind of faith. And as I was praying before I came out here this morning, the Lord put in my heart, you know what I'm going to pray over every person here at the end of this service? I'm going to pray that everyone here receives the gift of faith. I've grown up in Pentecostal, charismatic churches that believe in miracles. And how many say, thank God? Whew. How many know this church believes in miracles? How many know this church believes in the gifts of the Spirit? And there's been times I prayed, and we had over a 1,000 people speak in tongues. And one time we prayed, and we had the gift of miracles. But did you know there's one gift of the Spirit I've never seen a church pray for? And one of the gifts of the Spirit is called the gift of faith. It's listed in 1 Corinthians 12 with the other gifts of the Spirit. And folks, when you receive, when the Holy Spirit gives you the gift of faith, guess what? Everything changes. It doesn't matter how big the problem is. It doesn't matter the odds against you. It doesn't matter what people say or think. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. You'll stand your ground, and you'll speak to your mountain. All of a sudden, guess what? You become unstoppable for God. All of a sudden, the momentum over your life changes, and all of a sudden, what came slowly happens quickly. Guess what? All of a sudden, you become unstoppable. for How many of you want to receive the gift of faith? I said, how many want to receive the gift of faith? Well, this morning, I want to speak on the gift of faith, the language, how the gift of faith speaks, how the gift of faith acts, and how the gift of faith motivates God and changes everything in the air around you. I'm going to read to you a story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting with verse 43. 
Now, I know you've heard the story of David and Goliath hundreds of times. I've grown up in church, and I've heard the story of David and Goliath hundreds of times. We've even reenacted this story in, in Israel. We used to have a member of our team that was seven feet tall, and we, we reenacted it in the same place it took place. But I'm going to show you something I've never heard another preacher say. And I'm going to show you something I've never heard anybody else point out. I'm going to show you how to talk the gift of faith, how to act the gift of faith, and how that God can't resist it. He will show up. He will come through. And the momentum will change in your favor. So fasten your seatbelts. I'm going to read to you from 1 Samuel Chapter 17, verse 43. On one hillside sat 50,000 Philistines. And how many know they were feeling pretty cocky? Because the giant Goliath, who was almost 10 feet tall, very ugly, and had a spear the size of a telephone pole. He had a spear the size of the log that Paul's going to press tonight. And the Bible says on the other hillside sat all of Israel and Judah's soldiers. And they were paralyzed by fear. For 40 days and 40 nights, they were intimidated, they were bluffed, and they were paralyzed by fear. How many know the devil wants to paralyze you? He wants to steal your faith for your future. How many of you know the enemy wants to discourage your soul? Come on, somebody. How many of the devil can't kill you, so he'll try to steal from you your faith to believe God for big things? Come on. And so that's what happened to Israel. But watch this. In comes a young man with the gift of faith. And I'm going to read quickly, but I'm going to show you something I never saw before that changed my life. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 43. So the Philistine, you know the almost 10-foot giant that's ugly and screams, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? He's talking about the slingshot. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine, can you imagine an ugly giant screaming to you? Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. I mean, you know, that's pretty scary. Everybody say scary. But how many know sooner or later everybody in here is going to face a scary circumstance? Come on. How many know sooner or later you're going to face a scary circumstance? Now watch this young man with a slingshot who has the gift of faith that I'm going to, I'm going to impart to your spirit. Watch his answer and how he goes from talking to the giant to making an announcement. And that's what I'm really trying to get across this morning is that God wants you to announce what he's going to do over your family, your finances, your future, your faith. But watch this. It says, David said to the Philistine. Everybody say said. That means he's talking. He's talking to the giant. Now watch how he goes from talking to the giant to making an announcement, and his whole demeanor changes. Watch this. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Now watch, here it comes. This day, he changes. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. 
I will strike you and take your head from you. And watch this. Look at the next verse. And this day, he announces, I will give the carcasses of the whole camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that the whole earth may know there's a God in Israel. I never know. I never spent time noticing that. I, I, I never realized. I know David with the slingshot. I know he announced he's going to kill the giant. But all of a sudden, it really sank in. He turned to all 50,000. And he said, I'm going to give all of your carcasses to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field that the world will know there's a God alive in Israel. Somebody say big stuff. You know why? That's the gift of faith. The gift of faith knows it doesn't matter the size of the problem. One giant or 50,000 of the army. How many know it's all easy for God? I said, how many know it's the same for God? It's the same for God to wipe out 50,000 as it is one giant. You know what that means? You should stop measuring your problems. I said, you need to stop measuring your problems. How many know the biggest problem you could ever face is easy for God? Come on, somebody. How many know it's easy for God? Can you imagine the conversation the Philistine army was having? Hey, did you hear that young man? He's announcing he's going to kill our giant. Now he's announcing he's going to kill us all. And how many of you know he really believed it? Because God will do all that you believe he can. So how many think you might as well go ahead and pray and believe and announce big? Come on. I said, how many know you might as well pray, believe, and announce big? Come on. God's going to use my children to change the world. Wealth of the wicked come into the hands of the righteous. God's going to turn this thing around, and he's going to show everybody I know what he can do. Come on, somebody. How many know God can't resist that? But let's go to the next verse. Watch this. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord doesn't save with a sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Now, verse 48. Pastor, this has got to be one of the most perplexing verses I've ever read. I want everyone to see this because this has got to be one of the strangest verses in the Bible. Watch this. So it was when the giant Philistine, you know, the 10-foot monster, came running arose and came near to meet David. Look, David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. I said, what does that mean? When the giant ran at him, he ran toward the Philistine. You know the same group he announced he was going to kill them all? He ran toward them to meet the giant. I said, Lord, what does it say that? And you know what the Lord spoke to my heart? He didn't have his eye just on the giant. He had his eye on the big picture. And if you're going to win the battle, you can't just look at the problem in front of you. How many know you've got to keep your eyes on the big picture? When you face something that's ugly, scary, or bigger than you are, you don't run toward the problem. You run toward the big picture. And you know what the big picture is for you? is when God made you. There's nobody else like you. Whoo! How many of you know nobody else has your fingerprint, your tongue print, your toe print, your retina print? 
Did you know there's nobody else in the whole world can, that can impact the same lives you can, that can change this world the way you can? I don't care if you're 8 or you're 80. Nobody has the same opportunities to make a difference in this world, to change someone's life. How many know God put you here? to make a difference. You've been born for such a time as this. How many know you're not just here to take up space and breathe oxygen? How many know God has ordained you and destined you to make a difference in this world? Come on, somebody. How many of you know that's the big picture? I said, that's the big picture. And when you realize there's no way God, the devil can take you out, when you're running toward the destiny that God's put you here and you believe you're going to make a difference, how many know you're unstoppable for God? Come on, somebody. How many, know, how many know that's good news? The next verse. Everybody better fasten your seatbelts. I'm coming to the end. It's going to get powerful. Then David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and slung it, struck the giant in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. Boom. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, struck him and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran, stood over the Philistine, took his sword out, drew it out of a sheep and killed him and cut off his head with it. You know what hit me when I read that? Remember when David announced before God and the whole world, I'm going to strike you. I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to cut off your head. How many know he didn't even have a sword? Everybody say he didn't even have a sword. You know what that means? He hadn't figured it out yet. He just knew if he announced it, God was going to do it. How many of you are glad you don't need to figure out how God's going to do it? I said, come on, how many of you know you don't need to figure it out? You don't need to rehearse it. You don't need to nurse it. You need to let God reverse it. Come on. And he just said, I'm going to strike you and cut off your head. God will make a way where there is no way. How many know God will do all you believe him for? God honors faith. God cannot resist the gift of faith. And watch this. I'm coming to the end now. And it says, when the Philistines, you know the cocky 50,000 that were drooling at the mouth, thought it was their moment, when they saw their champion was dead, they fled. They got up and ran. And now the men of Israel and Judah, you know the paralyzed with fear, you know the, the, stuck, the stuck ones, they arose and shouted. NIV says they surged forward and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance and the valley of the gates of Ekron. And all the wounded Philistines fell all along the road to Sherem, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Now, I'm coming to the end here. I'm going to pray over you in just a minute. But you know what's interesting about this? Ladies and gentlemen, it says that the men of Israel surged forward. They jumped up and shouted and ran toward the Philistines. You know what that means? They became unstuck. Everybody say unstuck. You know what I found? All my life, I've learned there's a lot of Christians who get stuck spiritually. One spiritual life director of a great Bible college, you know what he said? I'll never forget. 85% of Christians get stuck going so high in God. And then they deal with the same problems 
and they give up and they deal the rest of their life and they get stuck at the same place spiritually. God wants to unstuck you. Come on. How many of you know God wants you to surge, have a season of surge, that you don't stay where you are, that you go to what the next level in God? Come on. How many know it's time for a season of surge? It's time to get, you know what? We need to get sick of where we are. Come on. How many think God has more for you? Come on. How many know you can be more than what you are? Come on. How many think this is your season to bear fruit? It will not be cut short. God's ordained you to be here, and it's never too, never too late. God will redeem the time you've lost. Come on, somebody. And you know what's interesting here? It never mentions the dead. It says, the, the historical Bible says, the wounded Philistines lined the roads for 30 miles. And I thought, why is it focusing on all the wounded? They lined the roads for 30 miles. And you know what? A four-star general came up to me, and you know what he said? Have you ever been around the wounded? I said, what? He goes, have you ever been around the wounded? I said, no. He said, the wounded scream and cry and tell the story of what happened. And it hit me. 50,000 wounded lining the roads, and they were screaming and they were crying, saying, we thought we had Israel. We thought we were going to wipe them out until that young man showed up announcing what his God was going to do, and we never stood a chance. How many of you think the spirit world around your house may think they have you? Come on. How many know things that may be going against you? But I'm going to tell you, as long as you've got a breath in your lung, you put your shoulders back and say, my God is faithful. My God is able. My God will make a way where there is no way. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. A bending reed, God won't let break. And a flickering light, God will not let go out. Come on, somebody. God said, I can't resist that. <laughs> I can't resist that. I can't resist that. I'm going to close with this story. Did you notice the guys up here on stage? All of them were clean cut, basically good looking guys. And I'm not bragging about, but there's a reason I'm saying this. There's another member of our team that's not like that. He is scary looking. He is so scary. He's big, but he has a huge scar, a bald head. He looks real, his skin looks melted. If you saw him in the park, you would tell your kids to get back in the car before if you didn't know he was a Christian. You know why he's so scary looking? Because for 20 years ago, he was known as America's meanest prisoner. He was shot three times in the forehead with a 45, and a frontal lobe was blown out. He was stabbed eight times. His skin looks melted because he was covered with racial tattoos. And when he got saved, he had to have them all lasered off. <laughs> you know who his father was as a little boy? The president of Hell's Angels. The president in California of Hell's Angels. You know who his mother was? The only woman ever given colors by the Hell's Angels. By the time he was five, he'd been molested, abused in every way a, a five-year-old could be. At six, he committed his first major crime. At 16, he was put in prison for life. Three strikes, you're out at 16. 
and he was so mean, they put him in San Quentin prison. And when the guards moved him, they had to put a metal mask over his face like a monster. And he breathed through a breathing hole because he would bite or maim the guards. If you're, if you're really a bad man in prison, how many know the other prisoners nickname you? I said, how many know if you're really a bad, if you're, if you're a bad celebrity in prison, how many know the other bad men, they give you a name? How many know that? You know what the prisoners in San Quentin prison named him? We name you Legion, which is a biblical name that means possessed by thousands of demons. He was in the newspaper, magazines, on TV shows as America's meanest prisoner. Until one day. He never had a visitor for 16 years. A minister in a church group was not allowed to visit him. How many of you know that's bad? I said, how many know that's bad? He had one visitor after 16 years. You know who his one visitor was? His 85-year-old grandmother, who was five feet tall. She weighed under 100 pounds. And she rode a Greyhound bus for five days from Washington, D.C., all the way to California. And she was allowed to see him because she was his blood grandmother. They opened the cell of the mental ward of solitary confinement. And you know the first thing she did? She took her 85-year-old finger and she pointed at her grandson and she made an announcement. She said, you will be saved you will be free, and you will be a preacher. Because she had the gift of faith. How many of you know God in heaven said, I can't resist that. Now I have to do it. And even though a preacher couldn't get to him, you know what happened that night in his cell? Jesus appeared in his cell and touched his head. Two weeks later, the MRI showed he's the only living man whose brain grew back. He got saved, delivered, wait, started a Bible study. You know what he did? He went to the guards that he bit, and he fell at their feet, crying, asking them to forgive him. He went to the prisoners that called him legion and were afraid of him, and he repented and cried and said, I found Jesus. Six months later, he was let out of prison on a technicality. Because they said we made a mistake and the three strikes you're out. Six months later, guess what? He joined our team. And he was on our team for 15 years. He averages leading five people a day to Jesus. No, I'm, I don't mean on stage. I mean out there at the restaurant, the gas station. In 15 years, I don't think there's ever one person I've ever seen he didn't witness to. And most of them, he led to, had them pray the sinner's prayer. And even if they didn't want to, they did because they were afraid. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, almost, I'm almost not joking about that. I'm not kidding. And you know what? You know what you call that? A change of momentum. You know what you call 40 days and 40 nights sitting paralyzed by fear? And the next minute you're charging, screaming, shouting in the enemy's lane for 30 miles. How many of you know that's a change of momentum? How many believe... That morning in the prison cell, 
he was America's meanest prisoner. But how many know that night? America's greatest soul when it was born. How many of you know that's a change in momentum? How many believe that's what happens when somebody uses the gift of faith? How many of you are ready in the year 2014? I said, how many of you are ready in the year 2014 for a change of momentum? How many, you know what, you've worked hard, things have happened slowly, but now how many know God's going to cause them to happen quickly? God's going to promote you. You've been waiting and being faithful. This, you know what I believe? I'm going to pray over everyone here to receive the gift of faith, and I believe in this next year this church is going to double. I believe there's going to be a surge of favor on this church and everyone in here. Come on. How many of you think it's time for a season of surge? Come on. I, I said a time for a season of surge. And Pastor, can I say one last thing if I hurry? I didn't tell us any other services. But how many of you believe when you preach something, if you speak something, how many know God will, challenge, God will give you the opportunity to use it? Did you know my son is my, my best friend? He's my only child. My son is my best friend. And he plays quarterback. He led the state of Oklahoma. And I go to all of his practices. I don't miss one game. He's my best friend. And on Friday, last Friday, two days ago, he had a, a sports hernia operation. That's no big deal. The doctor said he'll be let out in just 30 minutes to an hour. It's an outpatient thing. And, and I felt something in the spirit. It wasn't quite white. And my son had a sports hernia operation, and I had to help him to the bathroom. And all of a sudden, he said, Dad, I, I feel sick. And he fainted, passed out, collapsed. And the nurses came running in and screaming, Oh, my God, cold blue, cold blue. And all over the hospital, they yelled, cold blue, cold blue. And they were trying to give him heart massage. And they were trying to open his mouth to give him to breathe. And I was standing there in just a little outpatient procedure. In the scariest moment of my life it was Friday. And you know what I did? I opened my mouth. And I screamed, you will live and not die in the name of Jesus. I said, you will live and not die in the name of Jesus. I said, you will live and not die in the name of Jesus. And immediately, they said, he's breathing again. And they, got it, and they said, his heartbeat's coming back. His color came back. And they said, oh, he had a reaction to anesthesia. An hour later, he was doing better. Now he's home. Fine, 100%. But you know, what I've, well, you, know, well, you know what I've learned? When you face the scariest moment, you don't just go in the corner and watch and complain. You stick your chest out and say, you will live and not die in Jesus' name. My God is faithful. My God is able. My God will make a way where there is no way. I don't care how big the problem is. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care what the odds are against you. Don't you back up. Don't you back down. You stand and you announce, my God's faithful. My God's able. My God will make a way where there is no way. Come on, someone say amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?
This is your year, 2014. Everybody say, this is my year. With everybody's heads bowed, everybody's eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm going to pray over you. But this morning, did you know God doesn't just want to save you? God wants to own you. And I want to lead you in a prayer. There's a lot of preachers I've heard all my life say, God wants to save you. And that's true. God wants to save you from a devil's hell. But guess what else? God wants to own your life. Because when God owns you, God can fix you. When God owns you, he can promote you. When God owns you, he'll redeem you. When God owns you, he'll defend you. Would you let God own you this morning? Did you know God wants to own your fumbles as much as your touchdowns? God wants to own your weaknesses as much as your strengths. This morning, would you let God have ownership of every area of your life? And then I'm going to pray over you to receive the gift of faith. I want you to cup your hands in front of you. And I want everybody, everybody in here, put your palms together, cup your hands as a symbol of surrender to the Holy Spirit. I don't know why symbols of me. All through the Bible, whenever people used a symbol when they prayed, it seemed like God always answered. So just cup your hands together as a symbol of surrender to the Holy Spirit. And I want to lead everybody here in a prayer. Everybody in this building, everybody say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I surrender all to you. Here I am, not just part of me, but all of me. From this day forward, God owns my life. God's kingdom come, God's will be done, and only the will of God be done in my life. Here I am, Lord. The thoughts I think, the intentions of my heart, my strengths and my weaknesses, my victories and my defeats, I give you ownership of every area of my life. And I believe you're going to fix me. You're going to redeem me. You're going to promote me. You're going to defend me. Because I totally belong to you. And in the name of Jesus, I declare today is a new day. Whatever the devil has stole from me, according to the book of Joel, I call it back sevenfold. And according to the book of Isaiah, every word of slander that's ever been used against me, God's going to use to promote me. Here I am, Lord, for every setback, God's going to give me a comeback in the year 2014. And in the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father, you promised me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if I would ask you for the gifts of the Spirit, you would give them to me. So Holy Spirit, giver of the gifts, I ask you to give me the gift of faith. I receive the gift of faith. By faith, through faith, I receive the gift of faith. I will talk faith, I will act faith, and from this day forward, 
It doesn't matter what I face, what the odds are against me, what people say or think. I'm going to announce what my God's going to do. My God's faithful. My God's able. I'm not going under. I'm going over. My God's going to make a way where there is no way. This is my season to bear fruit, and it will not be cut short. God's favors on my life. And in the name of Jesus, starting today, I announce a new season of God's favor and God's promotion over my family, over my finances, and over my future. I'm going to see what I've never seen, and I'm going to be what I've never been. In Jesus' name, amen. What people say or think, I'm going to announce what my God's going to do. My God's faithful. My God's able. I'm not going under. I'm going over. My God's going to make a way where there is no way. This is my season to bear fruit, and it will not be cut short. God's favors on my life. And in the name of Jesus, starting today, I announce a new season of God's favor and God's promotion over my family, over my finances, and over my future. I'm going to see what I've never seen, and I'm going to be what I've never been. In Jesus' name, amen! Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.